This is a Federal News Network podcast. A picky law known as the Service Contract Labor Standards Act has the potential to make a hash out of an ordinary procurement. That's what the Agriculture Department found out when it tried to buy services on one of the NIH government-wide contract vehicles. We get the particulars from procurement attorney Joseph Petrillo of Petrillo and Powell. And Joe, it's good to have you in studio today. Tell us about the Service Contract Labor Standards Act and then what happened in this particular case. Well, it's a uh, doubtless well-intentioned statute intended to maintain wage standards for employees uh, working on providing services through federal contracts. Uh, It's limited in its application basically to the same folks who are uh, non-exempt under the Fair Labor Standards Act, so uh, administrative, professional, uh, and executive employees. So not the people that push lawnmowers. Uh, Well, yeah, the people who push lawnmowers are covered. It's the the other folks who who are exempt. And the the, the statute, um, as I said, is well-intentioned, but it can be a real headache for federal agencies and for contractors. How so? Well, uh, there are a variety of issues in terms of figuring out whether your employees are covered and then figuring out what their classification is because there's a wage determination in the contract that tells you what the minimum wages and fringe benefits must be for each category of labor. In the normal case... Uh, the uh, federal agency puts the Service Contract Act clauses and wage determinations into the contract, and it's the contractor's burden to make a proper classification. But if all the people, say, on a professional services contract deal are exempt, then do you need those clauses? Because everyone's a programmer or a management analyst or some sort of a professional-level functionary. Well, that was the situation that led to a case I want to discuss, the Soterra Defense Solutions case at the Civilian Board of Contract Appeals. That one arose out of a government-wide acquisition contract, a very large vehicle known as CIOSP. C-I-O-S-P, sure. Exactly, run by the National Institutes of Health, a very popular way of getting uh, high-level tech services for federal government agencies. Uh, most of the labor performed under that contract is exempt under the Service Contract Act, and I'm using the old name for it, Um, but some of it isn't. So the contract is set up so that if a specific task order is covered by the Act, the agency has to put the clause in and the wage determination. And in the case that I'm discussing, agriculture issued several orders to Soterra Defense Solutions. The first one did not have the act or the wage determinations. The Department of Labor looked into the order and decided that uh, there was coverage. So Some people did have to come under those wage and determinations. Exactly. Uh, and then while that was pending, uh, the Agri- Department of Agriculture issued two more orders for similar services also to Soterra, And uh, they did include the clause, but they only identified one labor category uh, as being covered by the Service Contract Act. Well, as time went on, the Department of Labor looked into things, and they said, no, there were four labor categories covered. As a result, Soterra's labor cost went up by millions of dollars. That resulted in a claim to the Department of Agriculture, which they denied uh, by taking no action on it. Got it. 
We're speaking with Joseph Petrillo. He's a federal procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell. And how is this supposed to work? You accept a bid. That is to say you're the government and you like this bid. It's the best one. You're going to give that company an award. Who decides which people under the bid are covered and which are not covered? On the regular situation, um, the bidding documents include the clauses and wage determination, and it's the contractor's obligation and the offeror's obligation when you price your your proposal. In other words, we're going to have five people on this contract. Three of them are executives. They're exempt. Two people are going to be at a certain level determined by the Labor Department that are non-exempt, and therefore here's what the fair wages are for these people. Exactly. And and that's the contractor's obligation. If he if the contractor makes an erroneous determination, it's usually going to be the contractor's nickel that, that, that pays for that. All right. So the contractor did err in that sense and felt it should be compensated for its own error. And well, a- so what happened afterwards? The, the, the strange part of this situation is because so few labor categories are covered in this particular GWAC, SEASP, uh, the obligation now is on the government to figure out whether or not the act applies and if so, to what labor categories. As a result, Soterra was able to uh, win its case and is entitled to get paid the difference in its labor costs resulting from the application of the act. So in effect, Soterra was able to say, well, this is going to cost a million dollars because here's all the labor categories and hours going into it. And later they found out, well, it's actually $1.2 million, but they were only contractually obligated to get million dollars from labor, from agriculture, but then the decision came down, nope, you're entitled to the full $1.2 million. That's exactly right. Um, this is an interesting situation. It shows where the usual allocation of risk shifted from the contractors to the government. Wow. So is this for all of CIOSP contracts and all government-wide acquisition vehicles, say Alliant and some of the big services vehicles that GSA and other agencies also operate? I think that in the in the case where the the allocation of risk shifts, then you know you're going to have this kind of result. Uh, one thing agencies can do to avoid it, and this is set set out in the FAR. It's nothing uh, nothing secret about this, is to go to the Department of Labor and get their uh, input on what you know whether the contract is covered, and if so, what labor categories. And that can solve a lot of these problems. Do we know the labor categories in this particular Soterra case? I ask because these labor categories could come up in a lot of CIOSP acquisitions for professional services in the IT area. Uh, Sure. In this particular case, the covered categories were general clerk level two. Clerk. Help desk specialist. Ah. Hardware installation technician level one. And administrative assistant. In other words, these are jobs you could reasonably conclude are hourly and therefore non-exempt under, this, uh, under the statute. Absolutely. I mean, there are some, some gray areas, particularly in the tech area, and it can be quite a challenge to contractors to get the right judgment, and certainly for agencies as well. Joseph Petrillo is a federal procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.